Welcome and thanks for tuning in. While you listen to this podcast and think about the topics that we'll explore, remember, the areas you're moving into are always most important. Plan well and move to protect others and yourself. That's how you deliver flawless service and move America safely. So enjoy life and enjoy this podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Keeping It Rail. Jason won't be joining us for this podcast. It'll be me and professional Class A truck driver, Maurice Felder. Maurice, how you doing? I'm doing quite well today. How about yourself? I'm doing good. Okay. I'm enjoying the start of the day going off. Uh, a little chilly out there. Definitely. I woke up this morning and kind of the weather threw me off a little bit. I, I know I checked it yesterday, but they did say it was going to shift on me. Did you wake up in Marshfield? I woke up actually in Wausau this morning uh, doing a, a relay. So, yeah, it was a pretty odd change for me this morning. Nice. And now you're in Marshfield getting some maintenance done on your vehicle, getting that all fixed up and uh, be rolling out soon, right? Yeah, they're uh, currently checking out my steers. I had a little odd wear on the outside of my driver tire and my uh, passenger side tire and as well as some on the uh, drives. But I'm pretty sure it'll be taken care of in no time. Nothing too crazy. Yeah. Mm. So the craft fleet that you're on, tell me a little bit about that. We typically start off on Mondays, and I'll go out to, say, uh, Springfield, or they'll send me over to Champaign. The ins and outs are, the transitions, well, are really nearly seamless. Most times I'll get in, it's a drop and hook, I'll get out, no problems, no issues. Paperwork's fairly fast. The, the weights, they come prepared with all the weights, including pallets, so I'd, I'd say they're fairly good fleet to actually get into keep you moving keep you getting a nice paycheck stuff like that yeah um i never seem to have like true stoppage with them it's the second i see it it's i get in i update my etas i don't really have to worry about how long will it take me to get there because i already have a general idea it's all worked out well in advance before i can even see it and once i see it i know I get in, get out, get done, get it weighed, keep on moving. Um, the load's already ready for the next place and the next place following that and so on and so forth. So I'd say uh, really nearly seamless. What do you do before trucking? I worked for uh, Louisiana, the, the, the parish per se. I was a sewage operator. I did that for about four years. Before that, I was a construction worker. I did that for 15 years. Um, it was my friend's father's business, and with that, we would do concrete, driveways, take down buildings, setups, and it's pretty much what I would do day in, day out, 6 a.m. all the way to 11 p.m. sometimes. So I uh, thoroughly enjoyed it, but I had figured I needed a different change of scene. Where does trucking come in? How did you get interested in trucking? Okay, so with trucking, um, I had a cousin of mine. He was uh, a trucker years before I decided, and he kept telling me, oh, man, you do all these cool loads, and you see all these interesting places. He's like, I've been all the way through the whole country. 
said, well, that's cool, you know, and it's been an idea in the back of my head until uh, I moved out to San Antonio with my wife. Well, at the time she was my girlfriend, but um, we were talking about career changes and things that would be beneficial for us. And I had a bug in the back of my head, said, maybe I should try trucking. And she said, yeah, maybe you should. So uh, from there, I uh, looked up a few trucking schools. There was one that I went to called Star Career. The school actually connected me with a small company. They initially required two years of experience, but seeing as I passed at the top of my class, I had a nearly perfect score from a CDL, and they just picked me up right out and uh, got me a truck, got me on the road in less than a week. So rail, where does rail come in? Uh, rail came in for me uh, right after I came back from Spain with my wife. Uh, I was looking for work again because I had to make a decision between keeping the company that I was working with before and taking off off time that I paid for well in advance, a year in advance, and I told them about it. And they told me that they wouldn't give me the time off. So it was either that or I quit. So I did. And I told the wife, we'll figure out when we get back. And so I was in the market again. But this time I was looking for something that could get me home on the weekends. I know that there were home weekly jobs out there, but none of them were achieving what I was exactly looking for. So I did as much research as I could. I kept looking and kept seeing ads for rail popping up. We got to talking and eventually it came through to the points where they said, hey, let's get you going. So I need to get something. Ready. So eventually I flew out to Atlanta where I had my first training week and assessment and getting prepped to be out on the road. And on the we did the paperwork. They showed us a lot of safety videos and accidents and how to avoid them and eventually we talked about the safe seven which honestly has come in handy quite a few times um during the week i think it was my third or fourth day in we had to do a test drive since i already had experience they needed to assess my skills in which case i passed with no issues but they still gave me comments behind it saying hey, I understand you're very good at this. You've been doing this for a while. That's okay. But here's some things you can improve on, in which I took that and I brushed up on those skills. It's For me, my initial problems was uh, distance, spacing distance. So I had the, uh, the eye for about three to five seconds, which is okay. But what was even better is when he said seven seconds is a lot more time for breaking and you'll never know if you'll be put in a sticky situation and I took that to heart. Keeping a seven second following distance or enough space at least seven seconds enough space between you and whatever's in front of you Mm. as you're moving uh, gives you enough time to react and to stop the vehicle right Mm -hmm. Uh, so you're not out of time and out of space right and if something happens in front of you, you can't control that. That's All you can do is control, you know, stopping your vehicle so you don't, don't run into that accident. mess if yeah. there's a mess, yeah. Um, there's a few situations I've ended up having to give myself more space because spatial awareness is really key. And, and even with that, that braking distance, uh, 
there were times where I got into a construction zone per se. Of course, you cut your speed, but there's cars that will come flying up from you from either side trying to get around you as you're already entering into the zone and you have to see that. Also, with the cars in front of you already starting to break. So you give yourself more space because you know these cars are coming. You know that people tend to disregard truckers and they're like, oh, it's a big slow vehicle. But they don't understand that. There's a lot of people who like to cut directly in front of you 10 feet. You know, I've had people get probably closer than that, about five feet straight in front of the bumper. And, and when they do that, what do you do? I back off immediately. Just get I off the power? Even, I get off roll. the power. I give them the right of way. And then once they're clear, I go right back up to normal speed, just as if nothing happened, and keep moving forward. Well, this hurry mentality that a lot of people out there on the roads have, mm-hmm. you know, that is a problem. It cause big problems. It's one of the biggest, actually. Uh, big cities or areas coming up on big cities, it's go, go, go. And I'm from New Orleans, so of Everything there is fast. I mean, immediately fast. People want to get in, get out. They don't want to waste time sitting somewhere. They don't want to be in traffic. They don't want to be on the long road. So they'll do 70, 80, 90 miles an hour down the road without a care in the world, disregard for everybody else. And for me, I see that as a big issue. But that's where we come in to not only protect ourselves, but to help protect others. We try to, you know, keep as much as we can safe as possible. Now, Granted, it's not always possible that you can protect everybody, but you'll do your best. And that's driving the railway, right? That is driving the railway. That is. Keeping that distance, which we just talked about. Mm-hmm. I, I find that uh, distance is, like, the most important. Um, just uh, last winter, the last winter that we went through, uh, not a, a lot of people, I'd watch what they call the super truckers, per se, um, where I was in the the. the the right lane, the road was starting to get a little sketchy, so I was getting ready to call in and call it off and go ahead and park. But I was doing, uh, I think the speed limit was 70. I was doing 35. It's slick. There's a lot of low visibility, and there's a trucker just blowing by in the passing lane over whatever you'd like to consider that was over the road, I guess, uh, chunks of snow and possibly ice, just blowing by. And not even maybe, I think it was like three minutes down the road. There he was, fresh in the ditch. And I was shaking my head just like, there's nothing I can tell him, you know. I can't make him do these things. And then I like to avoid him, so I tried my best to be safe. And maybe others will follow that example because then we all have somewhere we want to go home to. It's like family, kids, friends, or just home for yourself. And what if that driver that you saw in the ditch because he was driving not right mm-hmm. what if he would have lost control while he was passing you or a family in a van it could have caused some serious problems um, that could have been death for me him the people behind us or anybody and that's why you know maintaining the lower speeds and these unsafe conditions or making a judgment call to stop you are the captain of the ship at the end of the day it's you may be delivering product but it's your life and to have an understanding of how to control that vehicle and knowing when it's too unsafe for yourself as well as others knowing when to pull over i have made judgment calls to stop there was a a severe weather i think i can't remember the name of the city i know it's a 
the northwest side of Wisconsin. Again, I can't remember the name of the city, but uh, I was Wisconsin delivering to somewhere. Walmart. Yeah, I was delivering to Walmart, and they were talking about it was going to be whiteout conditions and heavy snow up to a couple feet. And I was like, okay, I'm already here at the Walmart. I'm going to deliver this. I'm shutting it down. There's nowhere else I need to be. I've already called in and let them know, hey, I've gotten here. I'm dropping it. I'm getting out of here, and I'm going park. The truck stops right up the street. I've already paid for parking. I thought well in advance for this. That's where the that the pre-planning comes in. And when you called your fleet manager to tell him you were going to shut down after that delivery, did they support you? Oh, it was 100% support. Um, no questions asked. It's like, okay, please let me know when you get parked. Send a message in. It's like, let me know that you're okay, and we'll work this out. And let me know when, again when it gets clear for you so we can start getting you rolling again. If we can't, it's okay. We'll still support you from where you are, and it's not a problem. So I appreciate that support uh, big time. Uh, prior to Rail, the company I was with before, I actually experienced the winter with them as well. Now, that was uh, I went from Dallas over to El Paso, and the weather was shifting. I kept telling them, I was like, I don't feel comfortable with this. And they kept telling me, oh, it'll be okay. It'll be all right. And in my head, I'm like, I'm driving this truck. And this is my first winter, and I don't feel comfortable with it. So I made the judgment call, regardless of what the punishment was going to be behind it, to stop. I stopped in Odessa. And uh, when I parked there, of course, road closure and 12, 13 trucks in the ditch, some extremely fatal. One was uh, pushed into the side of a bridge, cab completely obliterated, and my heart sank because I was like, that could have been me because I didn't have an understanding of how to handle the truck in such adverse weather. And I didn't know that, you know, yes, you can stop, of course, because you are the captain ship. You should be able to make that judgment call to know if something is unsafe, call it in. See, the thing is, is just being out there in those conditions, even if you're doing the right thing, it's that other person could have been spun out and took you out. Yeah, and you couldn't have done anything unavoidable on yeah. your end. There are times that that can happen, you know, and, and it's unfortunate to have to say that. Yeah, it, it can Which is the importance anybody. of just getting knowing when, the road, yeah. knowing when not to operate, knowing when to operate, knowing when to call it in and talk about it, talk it out with somebody who's had that experience is to understand, can I do this or should I be doing this? It's okay to stop. You know, It's okay to be uncomfortable with something and say, I don't want to do that. And they'll work it out with you. And that's something I've grown to appreciate over the time that I've been here. At the end of the year, are you still Oh, I'm making a good paycheck more good than pay more than a good paycheck actually i when i first talked it out with them starting out i was doing drive van and on average i was netting after taxes about 1100 a week which honestly that's impressive especially for something to be home every weekend versus most uh, over the road drivers which make pretty much nearly the same um once I switched over to Kraft's dedicated fleet, I started seeing bigger changes. Things were moving a lot faster. The transition from place to place was much more quick, seamless, and I felt comfortable. I was like, okay, I can do this. Turning in the paperwork, filling it out, taking a picture, and I'm in and out of most places in 30 to 45 minutes. 
That's making sure I check the trailer all the way through, double checking my equipment, making sure everything's right on the paperwork, the weights, the signatures, everything, making sure everything's just right. And I can do all that in 30 to 45 minutes, which is impressive. Most places you would take nearly two hours, which that's a big waste of time. Yeah, it's important that you're in, out, and uh, are able to continue on Mm -hmm. with that clock ticking when it's ticking. Now, with uh, the current fleet, I'm on average, my paychecks grossing are eighteen hundred a week, and after taxes is about thirteen, and I I love it in all honesty. And with that, that helps me be able to take care of my bills, and which case um, I'm also taking care of my wife's bills because you know she's in nursing school, and I told her don't worry about it, I'll take care of it. And Rail's been able to help me to keep maintaining that keeping that structure for myself and uh i love it as long as you're doing what you need to do Mm. and uh meeting the requirements Mm. you know that we need to meet for our customers right right and uh, what i find most amazing about that uh, shout out to the fuel and routing uh they pretty much are in the background but they're the foreground of all the work Everything is already planned out before you even get there, so you don't have to really worry about anything. It's presented straight to you. You just know this is your A, this is your B, plan between it, plan to get there, plan to part, or if necessary, keep rolling because usually you'll end up at two or three places sometimes. Other days it's straightforward. It's like a one- or two-day run, and you're on to the next place. But they have all that planned out for you. You don't have to take a guess at where I need to fuel up at. If a place is down, you call it in. Or you send in a message, send in a macro, and the system will refresh it for you, and you keep moving. There's no sitting around and, hey, I can't figure this out. It's cut and dry. It's presented to you on the daily. No issues. Now that other company the company that you started with Mm. compared to rail if uh as far as job wise i'll say that it was a little bit more difficult because i had to buy my own devices now they did present me with a tablet for the eld but that was it it wasn't good for searching anything or having to look for planning places out i didn't know any apps to use to nowhere to part I had to come out of my own pocket and I eventually bought myself a Garmin which so you didn't have co-pilot with that I didn't have any kind of co-pilot it was figure it out I didn't know workflow did they have a workflow like we have no no workflow and that walks you through everything right makes it makes it easy is that easier it makes it really easy um, with the workflow it's step step by step if you can't figure something out it's in that workflow Chances are you just got to do a little reading. and Just step-by-step, step, take your time, right? Mm-hmm. You start off with your load information. It tells you the load number, how much it could possibly weigh, because that's subject to change, of course. But they give you your pickup numbers, your drop-off numbers, your A to B, what time you need to be there, what's going to happen between that. All of that is in your workflow. Um, your fuel stops in your workflow. How much you need to fuel up with is in your workflow. 
the place if it has any special requirements like use a certain door or talk to a certain person there's a phone number available all that's available in your workflow and do you call that number bef- during your pre-trip to just check in and see if there's anything you need to know that you don't know if it's a place that i've definitely never been of course i always call and i need to know what is this place about and sometimes if you have the company name, you can look it up and look at the reviews of the place. Sometimes there's helpful information that even sometimes that the workflow may not have. I still turn that information in. I'm like, hey, this place has X check-in for this. Can we add that? And you can do that all on the MyRail app, right? You can do all that in the MyRail app. You can submit all your information wherever you need to. You can check all of that. If you don't have it on your ELD, it's on your phone. Your workflow is in there. Your paycheck's in there. Uh, your that routing's app, You like that there. app? I, I do have a good use with it. It's uh It's fairly simple. Some things can be a little difficult to get to because sometimes you forget about them because you don't use – there are some things in there you don't use as often. Like, uh, for me, I do use the camera in there to send in my uh, paperwork, which makes that really efficient. Oh, I remember before the app, people had to go and find a place to scan it. Scan it in, yeah. Um, I had to do that with the company before. I had to take a picture of my phone, had to download a scanner app and do a second and then convert it into a PDF, then email it over, which takes way too much time. And I'm sitting there trying to figure out, okay, how do I get these bills and how do I submit this and where do I need to get all these signatures into? And with Rail, it's all in the app. I just hit the camera. And if I'm picking up, since I'm in the reefer division, of course, I have to scan in the paperwork and submit the temperatures for the BOL and all that. It's just easier to take a picture, send it in. They see it. It gets updated and I keep moving. There's really no issues with that. Nice. Yeah. What else about Rail that w- that really stands out? We got the app. We got uh, the support. Uh, how about support I'll, compared to that other place? Rail compared to that first place. The support is extremely good here. Uh, honestly, I don't hear about this type of this level of support, especially for as decent sized this company is. There's a lot of support. There's always somebody to talk to at any given time of the day. It doesn't matter what's going on. The volume of calls can come in, and you'll still have somebody get back with you in less than a few minutes. It, I never spend too long waiting around to hear from somebody, or sometimes I get somebody instantly. If I can't get my fleet manager, there's another manager available. There's always somebody to talk to if I have an issue. If I if I don't need to talk to my managers, if I need a maintenance thing, that's also available to have something if in case an emergency they have a line for that which is unheard of for most companies if not all of them the other company that you were with that first company did they have just one line it was just one line and we only had uh three it was uh, three office members that took in calls and if you had somebody calling at the same time you could end up waiting 30 40 50 minutes waiting around and by then something bad could happen or if you're just waiting to get some information, you, your clock is running down. The clock is ticking. That's important. You need that time. That time is for you to be able to make your A to B and keep moving forward and make transitions to place to place. How about equipment? The equipment, not the ELD, you know, mm-hmm. not the uh, your cell phone in our app. Okay. 
the truck, the trailers, stuff the like that. The trailers. Okay. So with for me, since I'm in the reefer division, um, they do have uh, the uh, the locks, the the trailer locks, the load locks. They most trailers will have one in it or two in it, and every time you pick one up, and I have two personally latched onto my truck just in case I need it. And you never know when you'll need them. They uh, provide you with all the necessary stuff to make your ATV. Like they give you oil and washer fluid. And um, and I've if you need locks. more, you just go to a parts counter. You go to a parts counter at, the, at any of the uh, at any of the yards. They have it readily readily available for you. So rail provides you with. Everything you need? Everything. If there was a part I was missing, all I had to do is call it, and they would have it ready and set up in minutes. If I needed fluid, all I have to do is go in and say, hey, I need this. And they're like, okay. They do a quick exchange, take the bottle, fill it up, send me back out, just like that. I never had any issues. Uh, I get my windshield wipers if I need them. Now, sometimes I've bought my own wipers, and they've reimbursed me for those. It reimbursed me for quite a bit sometimes because sometimes I'm too far away from a terminal or if I need to use my car to pay for things like, uh, what's it called, the anti-gel. I've had to pick up some on the way and they say, hey, you can get this amount on the card. Yeah, the antifreeze. You can get all that on the card and they'll have it set up and ready for you to use it in case you're not close enough to a terminal. So most things you never really have to worry about. Yeah, that's how it should be. Mm-hmm. So really, it's you just worry about moving the equipment safely mm-hmm. from, every time. From from pickup to drop off to pickup to drop off. And as a driver, it's my part to make sure all these things are running, functioning. I keep it moving as Your long inspections, as inspections. Yeah, I do my daily inspections. You know, the start and the end of the day, throughout the day. Yeah, you know, something can st- something can change mechanically. Mm-hmm. As nope. you're going in yeah. your route, when uh, whenever you stop somewhere, check it again. It never hurts. You'll you'll see something sometimes, and sometimes you won't. Like for me, my steer tire started wearing a little weird, and I immediately called it and said, "Okay, let's get you get you somewhere to get that fixed, and we won't have any issues." And I didn't have to wait long, or have to figure out how to get somewhere, or call up a mechanic on the road or anything. Like no, it's they take care of all that in the background and you just need to figure out how long you'll be sitting there. Yeah. So that's pretty much it for that. That's how it should be. As always. Yeah. What else about rail? For me, it's how personal the company is. I am a very personal person. I like to have direct engagement with the people I talk to. I want to know who's running these things and how they're running. I always ask questions like that. It's like, I want to know who this person is or that person is. And we talk and they're not afraid to, you know, come out of their way to have a time to chat with you. That's important to know what you're working with, who you're working with. Everybody is friendly. There's nobody that wants to fight you or have if they're having a bad day, they don't take it out on you. We talk. If you're having a bad day, you have somebody you can chat with and say, man, I'm not doing so well or I've had a death in the family or something like that. And they will talk with you to keep you protected. If you're feeling tired and you say, hey, I'm tired, I need some rest, they'll say, if you need to shut it down, shut it down. It's okay. You know, and for me, that's personal. That's how uh, 
it makes me feel at home to be able to have these people to be able to chat with. Well, they care about you. They that's the most important thing about a company. If a company doesn't care about you and it just wants you to run the truck and and it's easy to to identify those companies. Oh yeah, extremely easy. You can tell when the company's just kind of like hanging on by a thread every day. You don't want a company like that. You want a company that wants to check in on you. You want a company that makes sure that you're running and meeting your goals as well as their goals. You want a company that, at the end of the day, you don't have to worry about, oh, I'm going to have a difficult time talking to such and such person. Like, no, everybody here is here to take care of you, and you're doing your part to take care of everything else as well. And we all hold each other accountable. Everybody's held accountable. I've had my mistakes. Uh, there's days where I misjudge time, and I call myself out on it. And it's like, okay, well, let's work on it. Let's get that fixed. Another thing is uh, most of the people that work in the office, if not all of them, have been a driver. And I can say that is incredible. Well, you know what's most incredible mm. is Rick Rail. Is a driver. Yeah. Um, when I found out about that, I was like, the owner? Mr. Rail? Like, you serious? And he was like, yeah. Family, they've been, he's still rolling to this day. And I love that. And honestly, I couldn't say, it, it's impressive. You know, you don't hear about that with most companies or if any, that one of their, one of the drivers is, <laughs> the company, the, the owner, yeah, that's impressive. I, I mean, I'd say one day I, I wish I could ever run into him. You know, that'd be awesome just to meet him, have a little day, and ask him how he's doing. You know, I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, yeah, I, I love that about this company. It's it's personal. Everybody has experience. If they don't, they there's a training program for it. There's a module for it. Oh, the uh, Myrail University, uh, whenever there's training, it's automatic. You get a notification. You take that time down, you know, and then you'll learn something. I've learned quite a few tips and tricks about things when I get through with my ELD. They go over the refresher courses, making sure you have your packets and make sure all your inspections are up to date, your stickers. And when you come in, um, like your IFTA tags and whatnot, all that's readily available. When you get here, we figure it out. If you don't have it and it's coming close, they make sure you get somewhere to have those things updated. You don't really have to ever worry about those things. We you are know? on it, mm-hmm. and we know every corner of the business. Yeah. And we're focused in on all corners of the business. I love the shift that the company's bringing to the trucking industry. It's it's big. I, when I'm out and about on the roadways and I notice some things, there's some knowledge that I know most truckers don't have, and I'll offer it up at while I'm out at a truck stop talking with other truckers. I'm like, hey, maybe you should try this. And I, I hear a lot of them go, oh, man, that's pretty neat. Where'd you learn it? I said, well, my company. He's like, oh, most companies don't talk about those things, which I, at the one hand, I can't exactly remember all the conversations I've had, but I do tend to have a lot, you know, to say, hey, here's some things that'll help you better manage your day with your company, and maybe you can talk about it with yours, and it'll help improve the industry, because the more safe drivers there are, the better the company, and then the country runs a lot more, a lot more functional rather than everybody driving around like madmen or you know and i i'd say i love rail i'll i'll give i'll give credit where it's due 
I had my questions in the beginning where, you know, this is a new company me to me. They've been around for, what, 30 years or longer? 50 plus. 50? 50 plus? 60 plus. 60 plus. That, that's impressive to have a company last that long and, and still be able to expand. And I know they're still expanding to this day. I love that. Well, we, we can't help but expand because we're so good. Right. The better the company, the better the drivers, uh, the training regimen that they have for it. It's in-house. In-house training, you can't, you can't beat that. Instead of sending you over to a school this, well, okay, you learn that in school, so let's brush up on those things, and then let's improve you as a driver to make sure that you're being safe, to make sure that you're being uh, well-minded about the environments, the people you'll engage in, the activities and the workday. It's, it's impressive. Do you stay busy? You know, you're away from home, so you don't want to be sitting, waiting, Doing nothing, right? I rarely, if ever, have downtime. There, well, I don't say it. I don't want to say it like that. This sounds terrible. Um, I'm always busy. When you I'm, need to be busy, right? When I need to be busy during the work week, I am busy. There is no gapage between that. It's everything is ready for me. I've, as I've been told by my manager, which I love him to death. He's all like. Oh, when you come in, everything will already be set up for the week you're coming in. You don't have to worry about all that. We'll just make sure you, we keep you moving. And I never sit. If something goes extremely sour with a load and and it's not, it's never the company's fault. It's usually just logistics. Then, then it'll happen. There's always something behind that to keep me moving. I never have to sit and wait and hope that I can get some money this week or I'm not having struggles or anything like that. No, I I see it. It gets sent into me. Let's go. Let's keep moving. So, nice. Yeah, I love that. Um, the connections between all these things, the, pl- the personal uh, conversations I have with some of the, uh, the companies we do- go to, I like to talk to them and ask them about it. It's like, oh, yeah, we see rail drivers all the time. We love hearing from you guys. You're always here. You're getting things in here on time. You're moving it. I said, well, we can't do it out without our company doing that because, you know, yes, as a driver, I'm going to make sure it gets here, but it's the company that starts that, and they make sure we get what we need to get there and get back and get in and get out and not have to sit and stress and hope that I can make a load or hope that I can get a load. Well, you do your part. Mm. Uh, behind the scenes, the support people do their part. Right. Everybody does their part, which is Team Rail. Team Rail, yeah. I I, I do appreciate Team Rail. I do. Yeah, and those customers, we operate in the contract market. So mm. uh, a lot of our stuff is relationship, you know. I noticed that uh, the relationship with a lot of companies is very strong. Uh, I see that. They have meetings and where they talk over how to improve these things together, not as a separate companies, but they call and they talk and say, hey, all right, let's make some improvements in this area. We seem to be doing good, but maybe we can do better. Oh, we're always looking to do better. That doesn't, right. that doesn't mean we're bad right now. We're that means bad. I, mean, pro- <laughs> I think there's always there's always something that improvement you can i mean does yeah. does evolution stop you know evolution never stops it, that's uh that's just how life works i love that um 
we as human beings, we change on the daily. Technology, technology changes. Technology changes on the daily. I I see that, you know, just growing up in the technolo- technological era. I love that. Watching the companies make changes towards, okay, this seems to be not something we need to keep around. Let's improve on that. Let's make something new. Let's try something else. Let's make these things work out to where it betters us and it betters our relations with others. And it makes significant improvements in our day-to-day lives. So I'd, uh, I'd say with rail, I've seen quite a few changes as I was coming through, watching uh, the way that we manage our workload on the day change. And some at first it seemed a bit bulky, but they shifted it a little bit for me to where it was a lot faster. And I was like, okay, no more bulk. Let's make this easier. Even when I'm at home, things are changing and I don't have to see it until I get there, but I know it's changing. So I'll have that workload before I even get out on a Monday. I'm I'm at home on vacation or something. And I'll see you have a load available. It's ready for this. It'll be there at that. And then I don't have to worry about it because now I know exactly what I'm doing before I even get there. And it's every day. Ready to go make that paycheck. Ready to go make that paycheck. Oh, I, and move stuff for you're helping society. I'm helping society as a as a whole. It makes me feel great that I get to be a part of that moving society, making sure everything is continually expanding, or people have the things that they need. That that one load, which most people might not think it's just one load, but that one load helps a lot of people, not just me, but the company and then the country or the world. That's a big thing. It's a good thing. Very much. Let's talk a little bit about Maurice. (laughs) Tell me about Maurice. Uh, Where are you from? Uh, What do you like to do when you're not working? Okay. Um, I'm from New Orleans. I love love my home. I go home every once in a while. I'll see my mom. And I like to go delving on our little Cajun cooking. Sometimes I'll get some jambalaya, some gumbo. Uh, I love shrimp. I can't get enough of it. Everywhere I go, I try their shrimp to see if it's different or what kind of flavors they can bring to it. Um, when I'm on my downtime, I try to, on my first day home, that's my plan out day, figure out everything I need for myself going into the work week following. And I usually spend two, three hours of just downtime. Just let me make sure that things are right for me before I even worry about it. And it's not worrying about work, it's just for me. Because I know work's gonna be fine, but what do I need to maintain myself to make me feel good on my downtime? So I'll figure out my meal planning and then I'll go and do some exercises. I'll take a walk, I'll play with my dogs. I'll bother my wife as much as I can, you know. I love getting on her nerves. <laughs> and you guys probably talk every all day. the time. Every day, we talk Technology. everything, yes. So I'll put my little hair, my little earbud in, and we'll talk about how we can make improvements on ourselves. You know, it's I don't really talk heavily about work because work is great. So I don't need to talk about that. I know it's great, and I know it's gonna keep improving. So I don't stress myself over that. I talk with her about okay, what can we do to improve our home lives? You know, we got married last year, July 16th. She had me talking about getting passports and stuff which I was already thinking about it but I I kept putting it on a back burner for the longest she's like no we're going to get a passport right now did she have hers already she had hers so she was she was into that kind of stuff um, she's a military child okay Uh, 
her family has lived over in Spain. They've lived in Germany. Uh, so she's familiar, and that that makes yeah. that's nice, man. Walking into that where Walking she can kind of into it. She's she already got her hands in it. She's uh, done solo traveling, traveled with her friends. They've been quite a lot of places, and um, that's awesome. I, I told her I was jealous. I was like, man, you got to go see all these cool places, and then of course COVID happened, so we had to take that downtime. But in that downtime, we planned and we talked. We still went to small cities, you know, kept our distancing, but we still went and enjoyed life regardless of what was going on, just making sure we were protected. And then, uh, of course, when all the bans got lifted and stuff with COVID being, you know, a lot more managed, we ended up going to Spain for about a week. What was the most memorable experience? The Sagrada Family's Cathedral, it looked more like a castle on the inside slash cathedral there were so many insignias everything is handcrafted on it it's still being built to this day it's been it started out in, i think in the 1800s 1882 18, see, 1882 that's um i got google up i'm not that good <laughs> better than me you got that uh oh you were right 1800 <laughs> you could see everything on it was handcrafted and still being built to this day, the the fifth tower, I think, the center tower. I know there's four. There was a the one was uh, the garden side. Can you walk up the tower? You can walk. Did up you guys the walk up? We got to go up to the, the the highest point they have currently available. Now the the stairways are tiny, so they were built in the 1800s. But you have to understand that, old, that they must have went with that old style. Yeah, those old style stairwells were actually built as a defense mechanism yep. where they are tiny. So if you're fighting someone you can most most of the fighters were right-handed so having to block around those corners and fight you know well and you if you've got protected. the upper ground if you've got the upper ground you you pretty much have a better chance of surviving it and getting out of the way of it but and lookout uh, right so the lookout in the top tower is the highest point in the city you can see the entire city all the way around that's cool um, there was a castle off on the cliff. I didn't get to go see it, unfortunately. But that castle, you could see it from there as well. And the the view all the way around is just insanely impressive. And then looking down, you're a couple stories up. You're looking at the, the ground level. Everybody's about uh, pea-sized on the ground. So I found that as a really breathtaking view. Eat some good food? Oh, the food quality. I could talk about the food quality for days on end. I uh, tried quite a few things. Of course, I had to uh, do paella because that's one of the things you want to do. I've had it in America, and I was like, oh, it's not bad. But when I had it over in Spain, it tastes like the food quality was extremely rich. Like, they're very strict about uh, all of Europe is extremely strict about their food quality. Natural ingredients. Natural ingredients all the way through. Everything is impressive. Even McDonald's. I had my mind blown at a, at a McDonald's. I was like, okay, I'm going to give this a shot. It was called the Grand Mc Extremes, which I'm going to assume it's like the Big Mac or the, the the quarter pounder, per se, of Spain. So it's their version it's of all their the burger version. we have their, here. Their meat quality is extremely delicious. Oh, my goodness. I also uh, had a... I had pigeon. <laughs> pigeon. What? Yeah. They, uh-huh. they, I don't know about that. I, I, th- I thought the same thing, too, when I was over there. But 
It's like, oh my god, I'm actually eating a pigeon, but it the, it tasted amazing. Hmm. That well, bird. I mean, we, people eat chickens. Yeah, it kind of sort of tastes like chicken, but not like chicken. The flavor was different. The texture was closely similar, but still amazing. Ooh. Uh, also, I got to watch a bullfight. They had a real bullfight. They do the little fanfare, and then you see all the, uh, what do they call them, the uh, matadors. Yeah. There's a, I think there were about nine matadors from entry level up to the, the most recurring, impressive ones, the high-level ones. And uh, they start off by saying about speaking about how they do the fights. So the bull is considered the challenger and of course the matador as well and it's a sign of respect to face the bull head on so if you've ever seen like how they make fun of with the flags and they do the ole and all right. that, the goal is to be as close to the bull as possible without hitting or being hit and the starting of it which it's really really impressive uh I've watched one fighter. He got down on his knees, and he waved his uh, waved his uh, flag right in front of him. And the bull, instead of going for the flag, went for him. And I was like, "Oh my god! Oh my god!" You know, he got hit. He was okay. And when he got up, everybody cheered him and clapped him on. I was like, "Dude, that is insane!" I, we I had my hands over my face, like, "Oh, I hope nothing happens." Which in the history of bullfighting, there have been a few. In which case. They unfortunately take down the bull and the bull's family if the matador is killed. If not the other way, they do donate the meat to orphanages and places of such and sort. So I'd say the tradition is a, is a little wild, but all in all, it was impressive. We got to do a standing ovation for one of the fighters. He got hit in the head with a horn. Now, he was fine, but again, it was like, oh my goodness, this is real. This is actually happening, and they they treat stuff like that uh, very personal. It's almost like is it does it have to do with uh, a showing of bravery? Yes, for both sides. So if the bull doesn't fight, and the bull shows no signs of aggression, shows no will or want to fight, they pardon the bull, and that bull gets to live on the pasture, and live his days out as if nothing happened. Gets to graze, and you if those know, bulls only knew. If they only knew, yeah. Um, it is a strong sign of bravery, which there's judges over top. They sit at the uh, the high, the highest height in the, the, the arena in which uh, the matador will display true, full bravery through uh, um, a series of motions. So they start off with the, uh, the wearing down, so to tire the bull, and all the matadors get in the arena to... Their job is to pretty much get the bull to chase them. If the bull shows no signs, of course, the bull is pardoned. But most of the bulls were all ready and willing to, you know, I'm going to go flip this guy or somebody else is in the way. And there was one guy who was really close to getting dragged and flipped, but he got lucky it tore through his clothes instead of grabbing him. Now, all their uh, outfits are handcrafted. Uh, by themselves they have to actually make their own we got to walk through the museum to see all of that and their outfits were just immaculate dazzled immaculate it's perfect fit they make sure they have full range of motion 
Now, as far as like they had a seamstress, of course, to do the initial the setups for their their clothing but the rest as in the designs and the stitching and whatnot for the the overhaul of the entire pattern of it yes they had to do that themselves and you've seen some extremely bedazzled ones or some that were more low profile but still gorgeous and eloquent and that was a sign of a real matador when they had their work handcrafted for themselves what else do you and your wife like to do we like to go go karting a lot. Uh, we just went to Dave and Buster's to go get in the arcades and stuff, and I kick her butt. She kicks mine. It's it's great, especially in the air hockey. Or uh, we'll do like some of the basketball goals in there, or do the football toss. And then um, at home, if there's not much going on and we don't really feel like going out, um, we watch a movie. We'll watch some anime together because she likes to sit to see what I watch so I get a little kick out of that or sometimes I'll get on my PC I'll play video games or get on one of my consoles or something like that and pass the time and then if we don't feel like doing that we'll go bike riding we'll take the pups for a walk what kind of dogs you got Uh, we have two lab mixes uh, Oscar and Francesca Uh, Oscar is the big lovable please don't hurt me I give you a million kisses pup and Francesca is my little wild hog. I love her to death. She <laughs> she tells you what she wants when she wants it, how she wants it. She'll bark at you if she wants something. Every time I come home, it's the first thing I'm greeted to is woo, 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 woo. I'm like, yes, I'm coming, I'm coming. I'm coming to give you some love. And she'll sniff you, sniff the, the soul out of you if she had the chance. That's all she does is just sniff everything. If I come home with a different scent, she will plant her nose into my side. Um, but outside of that, uh, I try to keep myself relaxed with the wife. We'll talk about things and we'll stay inside. We'll talk about new meals. Like we have two cookbooks that we you go cook together and do some good yeah, stuff. Yeah, always. Awesome. If she's in the kitchen, I make sure I go in there and I give her a hand because I don't want her doing things by herself, even though I'm even out on the dishes, road. Do some dishes. I, I do the dishes or she'll fuss at me and tell me, I no, do I'll the do them. Yeah. I like to cook. I'm, a, I'm pretty good at cooking, but I usually do the dishes. I might life. have to get some recipes for me. <laughs> I'm always up for trying something new. Uh, we made a chicken masala. There's a I forget the thing that she just she just made. I don't do land creatures. Okay, that's just seafood and then veggie. I respect that. I respect that. Um, just because of where I'm, the way I was raised, you know, is I do talk about it, and I have tried vegetarian meals and uh. I do the seafood, so I get my protein. Yeah, I I love seafood. And nuts and everything with the protein, you know, uh, chickpeas stuff like that. Okay, that's uh that's pretty good. Um, there are some uh, recipes my brother he's vegan he's been trying to get me to try some of his recipes which he did uh, he used Brussels sprouts and something else I forget what the uh, uh, cauliflower yeah it's cauliflower he made a barbecue it was a a cauliflower based meal but I can't exactly tell you exactly what it is because I wasn't in the kitchen for the process but when I taste it I was impressed by it I think it's impressive to where, you know, people find better ways to, you know, adapt to their lifestyles to make their lives a lot healthier, a lot easier. Um, the meals that they can come up with, you, you, you get surprised by this. I say it's a good sense of exploration as far as uh, your health and uh, 
delicious meals throughout the day. I'm always willing to try. Like, if you brought something like that crazy, I was like, hey, you want to try this? I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. Let's see what that's up with. You What's know? your favorite thing to eat on the road? Ooh. And do you just heat it up or do you prepare it? Or do you prepare it at home? Do you prepare it in the truck? I do my meal prepping at home. I uh, You do anything in the truck prep? Um, Have you ever? Only once. Only once. But I the methoding, it kind of got exhausting after a while of having to keep trying to, you know, combust up a meal in the truck yeah. for myself. Now, it is doable. Some people I know use air fryers. A um, buddy of mine, he actually uses air fryers. He makes uh, the uh, knockoff chicken nuggets and stuff like that. Well, you could still prep the stuff. You could still prep you the stuff. You have it ready at least to. Like for me, I do have a fridge in the truck and microwave and all that. I have a kettle. So most of the time, if I'm not at a truck stop or anything or I'm not near it, I still have, if I want my cup of coffee, I have K-cups in the truck. A Keurig, but I also have a kettle in case I don't want to do the uh, K-cup. You know, some people are like, oh, God, I got to have my community coffee. Or there's K-cups for those, too, but sometimes I'd like to do the uh, French press. My, wa- my wife showed me how to use the French press, and uh, I thought it was pretty impressive. And man. you've got the water heater. Do you use that? Yeah. So my, my kettle, it's a, it's a couple, I think it's about a quart or so uh, might be maybe and then uh i heat that up five minutes water's boiling ready and i don't if i don't want to make coffee i can use that for making a couple noodles sometimes i like to do that there's other things like the little water heating method i'll put that water under a bowl and let it heat up the bottom side if i don't want to use a microwave or if i'm having moisture related issues i'll sprinkle just a dash of that water on top of something and then reseason it, or if it doesn't need it, just mix it together, stir it, and then add that moisture back to the meals. Um, I do from time to time. I'll make like salads in the truck, or other days I'll have meal preps where I'll do a what's it uh what's it called? It's a it's a dip that a friend of mine made. We use uh, like the chip dips. Like the queso blanco, I'll, I've used that for some of the meals because it actually works out really well. It's pre-seasoned, so I'm not overhauling on stuff. I still season like my other ingredients in case I know that they'll be extremely bland. I'm one. I'm particular about flavor. I love rich ingredients, not like overly rich where I feel uncomfortable or heavy or having heart issues or something. But most of the time, I'll meal prep on Sundays. I know exactly what I want, when I want it, how I want it, or if she cooks something, in which case we're making goulash this week, uh, goulash this weekend. So that's another thing uh, we take. I take out on the road with me. So you guys make a little extra, and then you got some for the week. Yeah. So Sunday is the make extra. I'll make three bowls, which is always my routine. I try not to. I can't, for some unknown reason, go past three days of quote-unquote leftovers, which they're not leftovers. They're prepped, but it's sort of the same concept. But, yeah, for the most part, I'll take and uh, have all that prepped out, and I don't have to worry about what I'm eating for dinner that week. I know exactly what I'm eating, but sometimes I won't eat them for dinner. I'll switch it up. I'll be like, okay, I'll eat this for lunch tomorrow instead of dinner, and then maybe I'll have uh, make a sandwich or peanut butter and jelly or I keep fruit stored, like grapes, bananas, oranges. I'll eat those when I have it, you know, 
I don't always have them, but I try to have them when I really know I need them. Keeping the vitamins in you. If I feel like I'm lacking in that week, I'll take some vitamins and, you know. It's a supplement. Supplement, yeah. I keep, not just with my coffee, I make sure I have water stored in the truck because that's the most, one of the most important things for yourself. You don't want too much caffeine throughout the day. Like, it's nice to have that cup, but if you want to stay awake, I stay away from energy drinks. Energy drinks make you crash fast. You get tired after, like, an hour or two. I'd say that's for, like, that last minute of your drive if you're trying to get somewhere. Yeah, but outside of that, I wouldn't do that as a startup in my day. They're too heavy on sugars. Now, I don't know they have the uh, zero-calorie drinks and stuff like that, but I tend to stay away from those if I can help it. Water is definitely good. Yeah, I, I love I, like I love water. I, I tend to make sure I have enough throughout the week. Sometimes I'll buy extra and store it under my bunk, and you know I keep one. I keep one in a bag on the arm of a chair. I keep one in the cup holder, and I'll keep one just right up in the the. There's a little window spot for myself. It doesn't block any vision or anything. I can see right past it or over it because doesn't block anything so it sits right there so when i'm done with one water that goes in the trash can which i keep my trash can in the front since nothing sits on the seat or anything and it blocks the garbage between the door it doesn't obstruct any vision so i have a trash can in the front have bags with little say i'll have a bag of chips as a midday snack or i like to munch on high chew a high chew candy I don't do it too often because it's too much candy is not a good thing. But during the day, I may you know chew on one just as a little delicacy while I'm rolling. It's like, hey, I earned this. Or I keep a pack of bubble gum in a little in my cubby, so you know I have all that readily available. Everything is within reach if I need it or want it, but nothing to where it's like I have to reach over crazy distances for something like I. I don't like the thought of having to reach far for something, especially if it can take my vision away from the roadways or, you know. Well, yeah, you don't want to do that. Right, right. But all in all, I do enjoy my downtime at home and making my meal preps and spending time with the wife, which is mostly the most important for me. Mm-hmm. I'm a very personal person, so I have to be able to spend time with somebody and There's days where, you know, I don't talk to anybody or I don't do anything. I take that time for myself, especially when I'm at home. I let the wife know, like, hey, is it okay if I take, like, an hour or two to just have some solitude for myself, you know? And she'll go, sure, I'll go sit in another room or I'll make sure it's nice and quiet for you, you know, and I'll go sit and just relax. Nice. That's a good way to end this podcast. (laughs) Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you for listening and tune in next time.